Welcome to the Kinky Cast, a sexually explicit podcast. If you are under 18 years of age, stop the podcast now. You are listening to a weekly publication, produced every Friday morning. The Kinky Cast is heard in over 150 countries. This week's episode is 253. In our weekly exploration in the kinky world of BDSM and alternative relationships, views expressed are not representative of the management of the kinky cast. We welcome guests with opposing viewpoints. Today, we present Lady Steel on Consent Apps. Don't forget to stop by our webpage for loads of information about this show and others. KinkyCast.com. Here's your hosts, Woody and the Beast. Thanks, Max, and welcome to another edition of the Kinky Cast. Sitting next to me is the Beast. Hey, Woody. Well, we got some fun times tonight, huh? Yeah, we're kind of close to home tonight. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we have uh, Lady Steele with us from Alanda, um, giving us some thoughtful considerations here. Good evening, everyone. Hi, how are you? I'm just peachy keen, and thank you so much for calling me about this. It's a topic that I feel extraordinarily passionate about, and I am honored to be able to speak both from a legal and sociological standpoint, darling. Well, let's roll out what the subject is for our listeners. Consent applications for your phone. Yes. How much fun is that? <laughs> it's not as droll as it might sound, but I do need to say something real quick before we launch into this. Good evening, everyone. I am Lady Steele. Attorney Lady Steele on FetLife, and I am the only open, out, and practicing BDSM specializing attorney in the state of Georgia, and as such, I am licensed. I'm a licensed professional, and I have to give the disclaimer that if you listen to this, nothing that I say constitutes an attorney-client relationship. It does not establish any sort of privilege. If you have an issue, um, then I would recommend that you consult an attorney hopefully a competent one, in your own jurisdiction. And if it's not going to be me, then please let it be somebody. Um, but yes, this does not establish an attorney-client relationship, nor does it establish any sort of privacy or expectation thereof. Well, now with that out of the way. Now see, that's the boring part. How many times have you practiced it? Oh, honey, I have had a podcast off and on through the legal show on Blog Talk Radio for four or five years now. And I've been on this kinky cast at least more than a few times. Uh, I've actually lost count. <laughs> An old friend of the cast. This is the reason I called you because for advice on something as critical as this, these consent apps are being marketed as some kind of prophylactic device for your uh, legal being. Correct. So why don't, why don't you lay it out and uh, tell us what you know about it? Absolutely. Well, there has been, of course... A huge dialogue. I mean, you know, people want to say it started with the, the Brett Kavanaugh confirmation hearings, but that's absolutely not where it started. We've been talking about consent for years. Even someone as old as I am, you know, <laughs> we were talking about it whenever I was in college and even in high school. And there's a lot of states that are responding to the demand and passing affirmative consent laws, meaning, you know, whenever it comes to sexual assault cases, you know, consent is actually, you know, a defense, or at least it can be, but now they're stepping it up to a higher standard to where they're making affirmative consent, meaning, you know, you do not necessarily get affirmative consent by a nod or by, you know, being 
awake <laughs> or whatever the case may be. And so affirmative not consent, saying no. Right, exactly. And so they're requiring for consent to be a little more, you know, blatant and outspoken and, and laid out. And I mean, again, sounds lovely. And where the rubber hits the road with the topic tonight is that there are some ingenious people and, you know, the app writers out there and how ingenious they are. They've decided to put out different apps like, oh, gosh, uh, let's see, Sacy and We Consent and the now defunct Good to Go, where upon one or more, I would guess, uh, people, well, I guess both, at least two people would have to read a pre-written boilerplate contract and say, I consent to this act and this act and not this act, et cetera, et cetera. And then they do an electronic signature and or take pictures of their ID and or take a video of themselves or a picture of themselves together and say, at this particular point in time, we consented to this. And the hope was to sort of be able to prove affirmative consent and I'm going to take a pause for everybody out there in our land of listening <laughs> to really ponder this. You know, on the face, it sounds like an absolutely fantastic idea. But, uh, I mean, if you're at the Kinky Cast, chances are you're kinky or at least kink-friendly or kink-adjacent. And if you know anything about this community, consent is the number one rule. You know, and it's, it's the Ark of the Covenant. It's what everybody not only aspires to, but it's a requirement. You know, whereas safe sex 20 years ago, men a condom, you know, that was the golden rule. That was the requirement. Um, but consent has even moved into other alternative lifestyles or at least alternative communities. The burner community, for example, I'm a burner. I go to burning man type events and hope to go to burning, burning man one day. They have 10 principles. Well, now the 11th one is consent. And again, while all of this is a great idea and I understand their ingenuity in the apps, I have, some pretty heavy legal and sociological issues with them, frankly. I really do. Lady Steele, this sounds like a wonderful concept. It really does. But even a, a layperson like like me can see all the loopholes that can come into this. Absolutely. Consent is a continuous issue. Absolutely. And this makes no provision for withdrawal mechanism. So to speak. Sorry. <laughs> I couldn't resist. You couldn't resist. Sorry. Yes, yes. Is it coming to the point that the only safe way to ensure your comfort level with a new partner that you don't have a track record with is a body cam? Right. There's a privacy thing there. Mm. Uh, more than a few privacy things there, actually. You know, you bring up a really good point. Um, but, and I'm making notes, actually, if you hear the rustling in the background, I apologize. Um, let's bring up, there's three points really on this that, you know, I would like to cover and let's start with the least legalese. So y'all don't get, you know, too hung up in all of that, but it was something that beast just said going to a wonderful point, which is you just said, you know, Whenever you're negotiating with a partner and consent and all this, the best way to get it is, you know, so on and so forth. Well, let's talk about that for a moment. I personally am a survivor of, of partner domestic violence and sexual assault. He was um, somebody I was involved with, someone I was in a power exchange with. I'm not going to get into much more details because I'm not here to, you know, slam anybody or anything like that. And this is, this went on over a decade ago. 
Um, but we were in a legally binding contract, so you can understand what that is, yay marriage. Um, I was under a, like I said, a power exchange relationship, and there was an incident that we had that occurred where he basically told me, you know, you're my wife and my colored submissive, and I'll take it whenever I want. And he did. And so these apps, you know, a lot of people think about how consent only applies to new interactions. It can also apply to old interactions too, or already established interactions. People forget about partner domestic violence. How useful would this app be if already established partners were to use it because of exactly what you said, the changing horses in midstream in regards to the consent? But, but we go back to even in a 25-year relationship, you reserve and you have the right to withdraw consent at any time. Absolutely. And reinstate consent at any time. Absolutely. And then you get into the finer points of and version of a form of play that I very much enjoy, consensual non-consent. <laughs> Which just yeah. kind of warps your brain when you think about it. Yeah. But let's draw a dotted line down the middle. You have vanillas on one side, kinksters on the other. For sure. The concept of consent as it has been in the news is to some people a new thing, new in quotes. Or at least codifying it has been. Yes. Right. For kinksters, we've been talking about consent from early, early yeah, days. Yeah, decades now. By the way, I want to remind our listeners, uh, episode 164, Brad Sagarin in uh, The Culture of Affirmative Consent is a show mm. that we did back quite some time ago. Two years ago now. And it is really important. You know, we were talking about getting it out and saying, this is what I want to do with you do you agree to A, B, and C? Right. You know, some people say, oh, it's taking the romance out. It's taking the spontaneity out. It's taking all this. Well, it's also putting the safety in. It's also taking the very bitter lawsuits out and all these things. At least that's the goal. Well, it's, yeah, it says here in the book. That's what we're, we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. We were talking earlier about rape culture. Do you want to say a few words about that? Oh, goody, my favorite topic (laughs) as a woman. Do you want me to define it for those who may not be familiar with the term? Please do. Rape culture is the concept and a very real one that we as women assigned at birth women and raised as women and men assigned at birth and raised as, as men are taught that certain behaviors are acceptable. The boys will be boys concept. The, she gets, she got what she deserved because she was walking, you know, uh, in the street at night wearing that super short skirt. If you go to my profile on FetLife, I have a picture with a attractive woman wearing a skirt and she has it pulled up to one side and up her thigh, there are different descriptives like good girl. And as it goes up, it goes to, you know, slut, whore, you know, disgrace, blah, 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 and things of that nature. And that's the perfect infographic to illustrate my point is that we are all conditioned from almost day one that girls or females are supposed to behave and act and dress in a certain way and be chaste and be pure and not be sexual, which is a complete fallacy. I was literally having this conversation today about the the, the lie of women's low sex drives. And of course, there's always a bell curve. You know, there's always obvious exceptions. Um, And that men are socialized to 
be overly sexual, to ignore their feelings, to ignore their, their, their instincts, unless it involves sex, to ignore their conscience, basically, and just go out and take whatever it is that they want, no matter the consequences to themselves or others. And therefore, non-consensual sex or rape, sexual assault, whatever term you wish to use, has become almost socialized within us to be acceptable. And Hollywood and entertainment, centuries of culture has resulted in this environment. Right. I mean, because think about history. And there's a Facebook page, a gentleman who's an author. And I'll be honest with you, I was a sexist whenever I heard about this book because I assumed a woman wrote it. Um, But Rejected Princesses. And he talks about these women throughout history who absolutely violated stereotypes and societal norms and defended themselves. But I was just reading one um, to my fiance and master um, last night about this woman who during before Christ era 335 BCE. Now she was, uh, she was in Thebes and she was raped because her, her, her town was taken over and pillaged. She was raped And then she ended up throwing her captor down the well and her rapist down a well and threw rocks at him until she killed him, which, of course, I find amusing and could have been me in a past life, but not the point. The point being is that it was such a cultural norm for conquerors to not only take gold and property, but to take sex. That's how it got started, you know, back to the basic instincts, the the, uh, instinct to reproduce that um, cis men have wired into them. They take that and whenever they conquer, you know, expressions from movies you hear all the time, I will conquer your kingdom and your women. You know, well, what is conquering women? It's taking sex without their consent. And so this has been going on, like you said, for centuries upon centuries upon centuries. And now we finally have a dialogue about it. We're finally trying to shine a light on it. And we're finally trying to go, hey, this is not okay. You know, taking things without the other person's consent, no matter what it is, but especially sex, is not okay. And that's the whole, oh gosh, that was an awful tiny, tiny nutshell for the concept of rape culture and, and, and education on it to be put into, but there it is nonetheless. It's good that we just understand what it is because people refer to it, there's a lot of interpretations of it. There absolutely is. And, you know, that's sort of the sad thing, really interpreting some of these terms and leaving it up to any kind of interpretation, it it just seems so foreign to me. It reminds me of this time whenever I was on a panel at a local convention. Well, actually it was in Chattanooga convention and somebody asked, I mean, and these people were very 099 101 level, you know, kinksters. And there was a whole panel of us and they were like, I use the term hedonism. What is hedonism? And one person stood up down the line from me and said, well, there are several definitions. No, there's not. Alfred Jung coined the term, and this is what it means. And to me, that's how consent should be. There should be no question. Oh, well, there's interpretations of consent. There's interpretations of sexual assault. No, no, there's not. Believe me, ask any sexual assault victim, no matter what their gender is, I promise you, they knew when they were assaulted. Yes, but legally, we have states such as Oklahoma that has uh, the high court there ruled that uh, having oral sex with a unconscious girl was not illegal. Oh, good Lord. (laughs) (laughs) I have a very, very dear friend. Hello, Daddy Mikey. A very dear friend that lives in Oklahoma, and he talks about 
Um, he's an old, old school biker and leatherman, and he talks about how a lot of the rules and law rules of law in Oklahoma are absolutely ass backwards. So I will challenge you that yes, we may want a single definition, but uh, across both various jurisdictions and various countries and cultures, that just does not exist. Well, here's the beautiful part about the American justice system. We come from the British common law, and this was actually a conversation I was having with someone the other day because they didn't understand what common law or judge-made law, case-made law, whatever you want to call it, is. And that's one of the things that I absolutely love about the American legal system is that, okay, so the legislatures come down and they make a law. Cool. Well, then it gets put into action by people living you know, with and through the law every day. Cool. But then somebody says, hey, that's not constitutional. Or, hey, that runs afoul of this law. I'm going to sue so that we can get a judge to tell us what their interpretation of it is. And that is really where the true laws that we obey every day come from. And that is why, you know, it may be perfectly legal to have oral sex in Texas where Lawrence v. Texas came down and sodomy laws were finally struck down. But there's still other states, and I believe Mississippi is one of them. Please don't quote me on that. I don't have that in front of me that still has very strong sodomy laws. If it's not missionary and cis male and cis female going at it, well, then you're fucked and not in a good way because it's illegal. And so that is why it's so important. And excuse me while I get on political soapbox for a moment. Um, that's why it's very important, yes, to absolutely vote for your legislators and your governors and your dog catchers and everybody else. But it's really important to pay attention to who your judges are. I just ice through my veins whenever all of these judges, the Supreme Court judges are dying off and retiring and all of this. And I'm like, oh, God, who are we going to end up with? Because not only is it the highest court in the land that literally affects everybody in the 50 states, but it's also a lifetime appointment. And I'm not going to say, you know, anything about political bents, bends one way or the other, but pay attention. That's all I'm saying is pay attention, because those are the people who end up making the laws that end up being more applicable to us because yeah, the legislators create them, but the judges are the ones that put it through the filter of what the American people live. Okay. I'm done with my rant now. <laughs> All right. That's really important to hear though. Lady Steele, let me take and steer you here a bit. Please to do. Our original topic. I like that sort of thing. Of these uh, consent applications. Yes. These apps. You reject the notion that there is any legal basis Yes. For these to be valid. Absolutely. And I can give a really easy reason why. Although, pardon the legalese that we're about to enter into. Now, did a little bit of research before the show, of course, as I always do, because I respect you guys and what you do. And I want to always bring, you know, good knowledge to the table. Now, I'm looking at all of these and almost every single one of them had a description that read either exactly or essentially you were creating a legal binding contract. I'm not even going to get into legal or binding. We're just going to get into the word contract. Now, as any first-year law student will tell you, that the four elements of any legal binding contract is offer, acceptance, consideration, and what we call colloquially a meeting of the minds or basically the intent to enter into a contract. Cool. All right. Well, let's talk about that. Offer. I am offering 
you know, my blowjob skills, whatever. Oh, please. Right. See, and there's an acceptance. And, well, we can't – well, we're going to skip over consideration for a moment because, well, that can also be illegal in a few states because considering <laughs> usually money. Oh, consideration. Um, I'll call you a good girl. There you go. See, oh, you do love me. And so uh, – and an intent to contract, of course. We're intending to contract here. Cool. All right. But let's go back to consideration. Yes, traditionally consideration is money, quid pro quo, this for that. But – in a lot of cases, consideration can be something else. You know, um, I'm going to pay you uh, easement rights or for your e- to have easement rights on your property. I'm going to pay you $10,000 so that I can move my property line over so that I can build the nice pretty pool that I want to build. You know, the consideration is you're giving me the land and I'm giving you the money. Cool. Cut and dried. It, it is something of value. So let's think about this. So, the, the, and every, you know, some people might go, oh, well, there's something of value that you're giving is your consent or at least your understanding of the consent. Well, that's murky enough to begin with. But let's go into, now we get really deep into the legal terms, and I apologize in advance, the insufficiency of past consideration. Meaning, if you have given consideration in the past, you can't create a new contract on consideration that's already been given. So in other words, we can't create a new contract for the $100 that I gave you for a car way back when. In other words, we can't create new terms because that's a past contract. As the, you know, the little dude said in Lion King, bap, it's in the past. So there is a subset of insufficiency of past consideration, sort of related, and it's called the pre-existing duty rule. Now, where does that come from? Let me give you something outside of the sexual realm. In the English case of Stilk versus Myrick, because this is an 1809 case, a captain promised to divide the wages of two deserters amongst the remaining ship crew if they agreed to sail home shorthanded. In other words, they'd have more work, but they would also get more money. However, this promise to pay them that extra money was found unenforceable because the crew were already contracted to sail the ship. So they had a pre-existing duty. And so the problem is, is that you don't get a gold star. You, you essentially don't get a legal gold star for what you're supposed to do anyway. So what does that mean? What that means is you're not supposed to rape. Okay. <laughs> Let's see if we can make that real clear. You are not supposed to rape. You're not supposed to commit sexual assault. You're not supposed to take sex without consent. So if you are already legally bound to do that, which you are according to the laws of all 50 states, then you cannot get consideration for something you're supposed to, that you're already legally bound to do. So the pre-existing duty rule, you know, extends to general legal duties, like a promise to refrain from a tort or a crime is not sufficient consideration to create a contract. So even if these folks go into court and say, and again, we're not even talking about on a civil level because contracts, and by the way, that's a whole other thing. You can't, you can't contract for something that's illegal. I've said that so many times in my BDSM in the law class. But if you're sitting here trying to contract for consent, but it's something you're supposed to do anyway, you know, it's like I was talking to Master before I got on the radio, and I was telling him about this, and he kind of gave me the I'm not sure I understand look, and I said, we cannot contract for me not to kill you. We're going to have a contract, and I promise not to kill you. Well, I'm not supposed to kill him anyway now, you know. Depends on the day, but I digress. Um, But I am not supposed to kill him. I'm not supposed to break the law. 
Therefore, you know, it's interchangeable for rape. You are not supposed to rape somebody. You're not supposed to sexually assault somebody. So you cannot legally contract to promise not to do that. It is literally not legal to do that. I think the mafia calls that protection money. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly. Lady Steele, presuming that we throw out that these are legally binding contracts, which apparently they are not in any stretch, do these apps even serve a purpose as documentation that consent was that there was an effort to uh, secure consent? Yeah, at first, but exactly what you said in the beginning, whenever we talked about how, and oh my God, we're not youngins. I'm sure we are all experienced in our own ways. I want to tell you right now, I have given and taken and given and taken consent in the middle of a scene or in the middle of a sexual act or something. It's all right to document that consent was initially given, but what happens if it evolves into something where the consent is rescinded or the actions change because of the heat of the moment, you know, and then the thing that it turned into was not what was originally consented to, whether it was a good or a bad thing. And that's kind of part of the problem is that, Again, once you consent to something, there are 40,000 different opportunities for you to, you know, withdraw that consent before the deed is done. And so what do you now there is actually one app that was sitting here talking about having like a panic button or a stop button where, you know, if you're consenting um, to something, then you can press the button and say whenever you rescinded the consent. Well, unless you're videotaping when that button was pushed as opposed to what you were doing, again, it's hard to prove. It's a he said, she said. Or they said, they said, yes. Which is back to to the scenario that we went through just this past couple of weeks. Right, exactly. What about the sense of security about taking this into a courtroom? What would happen? I'm going to give you the lawyer answer. Are you ready? It depends. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's say somebody just took it in in a criminal case or use it as a defense. Let's not even try proof. How about using it as proof of a defense? And the person is accused of, you know, sexual assault, rape, and they said, oh, well, look, my gosh, you know, this person consented. And then the person can simply get up on the witness stand and said, yeah, I did until I didn't. But will this perpetuate rape culture by the fact that you have on record, will pursue cis normal, that the woman consented to? Consent it. That's it. That's the end of it. Now, would you look at you bringing up the exact point I was going to make next? Yeah. I'm sitting here looking at this while I was reading through this, and Woody sent this to me a little while ago for me to look at. And I'm looking at this going, um, <laughs> boy, isn't this a good way for people who do want to be rapey, as the article on Vice I read called it, kind of gives them an excuse. Oh, well, you consented, so that's perfectly all right, right? And... That was the sociological point that I was going to make. One of them was that exactly what it said in that article is that, you know, if people are approaching the use of this app from the perspective of I'm going to use this to be less rapey, you you just shouldn't be rapey in the first place. Exactly what you said. It's giving people the perfect opportunity to go, oh, you know, well, now that I have this over here, then I can go over here and do all of these things. And get out of jail free card. Yeah, it's like not necessarily. That's that. Mm, that's a damn bad slippery slope, if you ask me. But I wonder how this would play 
in an actual litigation with the notion, well, she consented to sex. Case closed. That could happen, honestly. I think it would happen in states and in communities where rape was already something that people don't take seriously in the first place. And this might just give them a reason to continue to not take it seriously. And that's the part that really sucks. And then we haven't even gotten into deviant acts that are not sexual. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, I I thought you were just going to stop at deviant acts because, again, everybody should go listen to my BDSM and the Law podcast. Um, But within that podcast, I tell you everything that we do in the community, the, the kink community, is illegal. Assault, battery, kidnapping. No consensual non-consent, rape, assault with a deadly weapon, knife play, et cetera, et cetera. False imprisonment. Yeah. Yeah, and the list goes on. On. On and on and on and on. Deviant sex. Let's take it a step further. Legally, you cannot contract for something that is illegal. Meaning, just like, I mean, prostitution is the easiest example. You know, soliciting is illegal. Soliciting for sex. Um, Paying someone for you to have an orgasm is illegal in every state but California. They have looser laws there because of porn. Oh, okay. And we have uh, the loophole in a couple places in Nevada. Um, Yes. In all counties, but I think two in Nevada. And so, but what I'm getting at here is that you can't consent for something illegal. I cannot pay Beast to knock off Woody because knocking off Woody is illegal. (laughs) So we can't have a contract. So if people were to try to like do a kinky version of this app, it would never hold up because, again, you can't contract for something that is illegal. Somebody did a kinky version of the app, and it's BDSM-related, and it has essentially checkbox mm-hmm. of things that each side can do, and it kind of works as a dating app, puts them together, and say, here's your overlaps. Do you consent? <laughs> you know what? I also say this in my BDSM in the Law podcast. You know, people talk about slave contracts and and DS contracts and how sexy they are and how lovely they are. And they absolutely are. But in my business, they're called evidence. And so if you're sitting here on an app, which is not as glamorous and not as pretty and not nearly enough calligraphy usually, um, and contracting to this. Yeah. Yeah. We like to call that evidence and, and that, no, that's just such a, such a bad idea. That complicates this whole getting consent matter even further. The very act of discussing what we want is a criminal enterprise now. <laughs> yeah, BDSM folks have been like the mafia of sex for years, and they maybe didn't even know it. You know, um, another aspect of, from a sociological standpoint that was discussed in the Vice article that I read was that simply this is just not sexy. And because, meaning the app, I mean, consent is absolutely sexy. But because it's kind of a, a sexual buzzkill. Their question was, in all reality, how often is it really going to be used? You know, people may say, you, you know, let me comfort you and, and, and pet you and tell you I've got this app and everything will be consensual and everything will be safe. But when the rubber hits, well, the organ, so to speak, forget the road, then it may get forgotten. You know, there's a big discussion in our community and always has been is, you know, someone under the influence of endorphins and hormones, like what you get whenever you're on a sub, a sub high or top high, a, able 
to change their consent or able to alter their consent or give consent or take consent away because of the altered state. If alcohol and drugs are an altered state, why not the hormones that go through our system whenever we are high from the endorphins? So these are all the multi-layers of things to consider. And we get into the matter of was the person capable of making consent and how did you know they were capable? Absolutely. They may have played the day before and still be riding right. high and you're unaware. Absolutely. So drug-induced anything you can't contract around. That's correct because that's um, incapacity and that's another way to um, prove that either the offer or the acceptance was not valid. It's called, it's voidable because if you were not able to uh, knowledgeably and with a clear head give that offer or accept that offer, then you're out and or there's no meeting of the minds. There's a case in law school, um, <laughs> really famous case in law school where, gosh, these gentlemen, I want to say in the 1920s, sat down at a bar and wrote out a real estate contract on a bar napkin. And at least one of them was drunker than Cooter Brown. And <laughs> it was, you know, not upheld as being reliable. And that's actually whenever they started the rule, uh, the Supremes, as I call them, the Supreme Court SCOTUS, um, that stated uh, all real estate transactions have to be in writing. And you kind of have to make sure you're sober when you're doing it because, you know, it's real estate. And writing on the back of the napkin, not necessarily the issue. The dude being drunk, that was the issue because there can be no true meeting of the minds no agreements to contract if you're intoxicated or otherwise inebriated or mentally incapacitated due to illness or, you know, disability or something to that effect. That's why people under the age of 18 can't sign a contract because they're not legally of age to contract. Well, they should to be. Uh, some people at 30 are not of age. Oh, but honey, don't know. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's another issue. Right. Lady Steele. Yes, dear. Consent is the topic that we need to discuss. Absolutely. We need to get to that meaning of the minds as a collective. And these apps, we agree, are not going to be helpful at all. I love to think the best of people. Really, I do. I'm, I'm a highly sarcastic woman, but I'm also a highly optimistic woman. And I would like to think that at least some of these app developers, their heart was in the right place. I really would like to think that. Oh, now, I some agree. Were, well, some were mercenary and was just after the money and the ad revenues. Okay, fine. You know, and I get that too. And some are clueless. Right. But I would really like to think that the intent behind this was good. But the execution, mm -mm. the execution doesn't work. In your opinion, how far are we from even the inkling of a meeting of the minds on the cassette issue? I'll leave this over to John Oliver. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. About, I think it was three episodes, because I watch a show weekly. He's hilarious, if nothing else. But about three weeks before Brett Kavanaugh was announced as a nominee of the Supreme Court. And this was absolutely coincidental because they, for some reason, I think it was like a week before they said that the president was going to start looking for candidates and all this. He interviewed Anita Hill. Well, we all remember, well, okay. I remember that. I, I remember that interview. At the Clarence Thomas um, confirmation hearings, you know, there was allegations of sexual harassment and um, in inappropriate behavior and all this. Of course, he was still confirmed. And John Oliver actually asked Dr. Hill, she's Dr. Holding Professional, if this were to happen today, 
do you think the confirmation hearings would be different, you know, 20 years later from whenever yours occurred? And she said, absolutely. And I mean, you can go back and watch the interview on, on, you know, HBO live or now or go or whatever it is. And she said, absolutely be different because, you know, people's discussions about sexual assault and consent and all of that are different now. And I was like, hmm, interesting that she would say that. Well, fast forward to three weeks later, here comes the conversation hearings. And I'm sitting here looking at this going, what, fuck, really? Because <laughs> it's like watching the Anita Hill incident all over again. And no matter what side of the aisle you're on politically, no matter who you believe or who you don't, Everyone in that situation just should have been better. And, you know, the lady who came forward, you know, her life is absolutely wrecked forever. After what? Well, okay, maybe not forever. Maybe 20 years later, you can be Dr. Hill and be a, you know, a professor in a university somewhere in the Midwest. But I don't think it was better. And there was an entire episode that John Oliver did on this going, oh, remember this interview from such and such number of weeks ago? Well, this is what we think of it. And again, no matter what side of the aisle you're on, watch that episode and, you know, put the funnies aside and put your political stance to the side and really listen to what it is that he's saying. Because I believe, and in my own personal experience, which is all I can speak from, other than hearing the stories of other people, I believe that I would be taken just as seriously now if I was sexually assaulted than I would have been 20 years ago. And that is not a dialogue that I want to raise my son in. That is not an environment that I want to raise my son in. So what can you do? Yes, absolutely. Be angry. Let that be your motivation. But act. And if nothing else, the you know, my gosh, if you're a parent, teach your child. Each one, teach one. You know, I have a son. I, you know, whenever I was pregnant, I was like, oh, I'd love to have a daughter. She'd be so cute and tea parties and dresses and all this, you know. And then I thought, but do I really want to bring someone into this world to have the experiences that I personally myself have had? And then you think, oh, well, it'll be better. Well, come to find out, you know, I had a, a, a male assigned at birth child and I've, you know, I'm raising him with some of the traditional gender roles, both my ex and I are, but no matter what gender he is to be, I'm going to teach him that consent is important. You know, people like to go up to him. He's a cute little boy. They run up to him. They want to hug my son and kiss my son and all of this. And if he shrugs or pulls away, not in a playful way, but actually says no, oh, mama bear comes out and it's very unfortunate for them if they don't stop. And I look at them and say, we're teaching him that his body autonomy is important so that he'll know that the body autonomy of other people are important. If you're not a parent, go out and spread the word. Go out and be active. You know, we the world needs more good activists, not just people who scream behind a computer screen on the internet. I mean, ugh, God, don't even get me started. That's a show in and of itself. Lady Steele, in closing, do you have any comments? Oh, <laughs> I don't know how many more minutes we have. But other than what I just said about being active, not being reactive. And that's why I tell people all the time, they're like, you know, how can I be a good activist? I said, don't be a reactivist, be an activist, act, don't talk, you know, less talky, more dewy, <laughs> you know, first of all, but in your own personal relationships, you know, consent, the giving of it and the constantly giving of it can really vary from relationship to relationship. You know, I tell people all the time, the gentleman who I am honored to call master, he and I have never negotiated. And we have been playing at least monthly for the last year and a half. And 
that's because he is an extraordinarily experienced master. I'm an extraordinarily experienced slave. We read each other and we don't have to do that. But I have recently done pick up play where there was you know, yesterday. In fact, I did this scene with this gentleman where, you know, he was checking on me, you know, it's almost like he was looking at his watch, how often he was doing it, you know, and we had discussed red, yellow, and green and my stop word and all this other stuff. You know, this person, we, we had, you know, had some conversations and all this, but this was our first time meeting it and it was our first time playing. And it's very important to get a feel for the other person. You know what you want. If your inside voice says that person is not going to respect my consent, then don't do it. There's no amount of sex and no amount of play that is worth giving up that part of you or more importantly, it being taken from you because you ignored the, the voice because you wanted the high or you wanted the orgasm or you wanted whatever. No sex or play is worth dying for. And I'm not literally talking about ending your life. I'm talking about whenever a sexual assault happens to you, a part of you dies. And it is not worth you losing that part of you just to get a thrill. And I am speaking from personal experience when I say that. Very good advice. Lady Steele, we want to thank you for coming on the show tonight and really putting some clarity behind this rather weird little thing called consent apps. <laughs> it was my pleasure as always. I always love talking to you, gentlemen. You're a great friend of the cast, and uh, we always value your opinion. Thank you. With that, we wish you a wonderful evening, and uh, our listeners will see you next week. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you. You have been listening to Episode 253 of the Kinky Cast. For more information about this show, go to kinkycast.com. The Kinky Cast is a production of Rooster in the Round. On behalf of all our kinky crew, I'm Max. Join us next week when we present, Is Most Levels, The Lazy Dom's Guide.